We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, it's Veronica Dagger, the host of the Wall Street Journal, Secrets of Wealthy Women, where women share how they tackle career, money, and the world. Today, we're checking in with Tony Coe, the founder of NYX Cosmetics. When we first spoke to Tony back in February of this year, we were blown away by her drive, keen business sense, and honesty about the personal challenges she's faced, making her a listener favorite. Tony sold NYX to L'Oreal for a reported $500 million about six years ago. She left the beauty industry for a few years after that due to a non-compete, which took its emotional toll. She recently returned to the industry, though, and is already innovating and launching new products. We're thrilled to check in with her today and get a sneak peek at her newest venture. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back, Tony. Thank you so much for having me back, Veronica. Great to have you. You have posted pictures on Instagram with piles of boxes, so it doesn't look like you've stopped working at all in this pandemic. No, I have not. I just can't. I try to stop working and just work calls me back. I just can't stop working. I'm, it's an addiction. <laughs> well, I always like your work ethic. Uh, last time we chatted, you told us about your new business venture, Bespoke Beauty Brands, and you described the, it as a beauty incubator where you partner with influencers, celebrities, and entrepreneurs, and you build a brand together. Your first line is with a drag performer, Kim Chi, who was a finalist on season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race and has about 1.9 million Instagram followers. Talk a bit about that business concept. So um, Bespoke Beauty Brand was launched August of last year. Uh, it is a, a beauty incubator. So I do an equity deal with different influencers, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and, um, you know, um, even fashion designers. And the first brand that we launched was on October 16th last year with a um, drag queen and her name is kimchi chic um, it's been less than a year and we're doing fantastic i mean our instagram engagement is amazing and we're doing record number sales each and every day really happy for this partnership so in your title of your company is bespoke can you tell us what that means what are you doing differently compared to what some other companies are doing because it sounds like a lot of people are talking about bespoke these days the entire concept revolves around each brand being bespoke, like custom tailored to uh, the brand partner that we partners, um, his or her integrity and personality and character. So for kimchi chic brand, pink and it's blue and it's lavender is so much fun, but that's her personality. So it's bespoke to her character. Um, so the next brand that we're doing is with the fashion designer and this fashion designer, a little muted, a little more reserved. So that's the, that's the look that we're going for. So bespoke just basically means that, um, each brand that we launch is really 
um, custom tailor to uh, the influencers and our brand partners. How is partnering with an influencer different from partnering with a major corporation? Well, I don't like to partner with major corporations. I think corporations are a little boring for me. I like challenges. I like building a brand. Like I like the nitty gritty stuff of being an entrepreneur, you know, being a startup. There's like, there's joy to it. There's joy to actually rolling up your sleeve and just like get there and just pack the boxes and um, bargain on every single item. It's, it's fun to me. So different from like partnering with um, big uh, companies is that you don't have as many employees or staff, right? So you have to basically be very um, nimble and flexible and just figure things out on the spot. And I think there's whole beauty to it. Let's talk about the influencer culture a bit. A study from July shows that influencer marketing waned a bit in the spring, but it's generally been resilient. Is that on your mind that this type of marketing can be volatile and some people might see it as a fad? Um, I could see where a study like that could come or I could see how people could think that it may be a fad. So this is why um, the product that you launch has to be spectacular on its own. The product that you sell has to have the leg of its own. You can't just depend on, you can't just build a, a, a build a product, slap on a name and expect it to sell. It has to be the right product. It has to be great quality. The price point has to be right. And it has to be, um, it has to be the product that matches the real character of the influencers. When all of this is in sync and all of this is, is in harmony, then the brand will do well. But if you are somebody who just thinks that, oh, I'm just going to make anything and just slap on a brand, that's not going to work. Makeup sales were already declining this year, and the pandemic has only accelerated that trend. And many women are wearing a lot less lipstick and blush and instead are focusing on skincare and a bit more on eye makeup. How much are you developing products for this moment? This is such a new brand. I mean, we weren't planning for a pandemic like this when we launched it in October. We had no idea. So what we did was uh, we actually launched with a high gloss lip gloss, right? But who knew that we were all going to be wearing masks one day? So we've quickly pivoted and we're launching a matte lip gloss right now and we will be launching matte lipstick as well. But surprisingly, uh, when the order came from the governor to shut down uh, our office and economy and everything in um, end of March, and this is because we're in Los Angeles, California, um, I really thought, oh my God, is this it? Like, do we have to close? Is our business going to go bankrupt? What is going to happen? Fortunately, I mean, this is the lipstick syndrome, right? Um, during tough times, it's traditionally been the case that lipstick sales, um, and lipstick, I think it's just a, just an iconic, uh, uh, word. I think it's the entire, uh, makeup and the beauty industry. Everybody wants to feel good, especially on tough days and tough times. People want to like really feel good, right? A little eyeshadow, a little mascara, a little concealer is a quick, affordable, easy way to make one feel good. So during a tough time like this, actually beauty industry goes uh, goes up and we have been triple, quadruple our revenue 
month over month because we were e-com only. We're very much a very e-com specific company. So there was no loss of revenue from offline business. Unfortunately, for some of the larger brands, they were doing both the e-com and offline business. So they had the revenue drop from their offline, although their revenue went up from their e-com sales, but that you, you can't just make up the loss of your lost revenue from your offline business. I, so I think the overall business went down, but small brands like my brands have actually gone up because we are very specifically tailored to e-com and people were doing majority of their shopping online and we were right there um, with the right product, especially in the uh, affordable price category, right? Maybe you cannot, like, maybe you don't want to go out and spend that $35 on a designer lipstick, but you could splurge and pay $12 for a kimchi chic brand lip gloss. And that's what's been happening. Of course, um, we've done a lot of promos too. So um, just like every other brand, um, we, ha- we have our daily deals and whatnot. But overall, the beauty industry is one of the longest industry of uh, product category that's been around it. I just don't see this going anywhere. I mean, we may experience a little bit of a downturn at the moment as an industry as whole, but eventually we will come out, we will prevail, and this industry is going to thrive and survive. What's the secret to getting women to try new beauty products when you're in an online environment entirely? Because, you know, some women may just want to stick with the things they know and have used already. That's very true. Um, again, um, with, with kimchi chic brand, because our price is so affordable, people are not as afraid to uh, give that try. But I think it's mo- very important that you have a very flexible return or exchange program, especially because it's color cosmetics. And a lot of people don't, don't exactly know if that shade of red or if that foundation color or if that concealer color is going to be the perfect match for you. So having a really great customer service will be amazing. So we get a lot of emails or we get a lot of messages asking about color matches, Um, have all the answers ready and have that figure out and try to give the customers the best color match possible. Um, And then if you sell it to a customer and they try it at home, if they don't like it, take it back. No questions asked. Would you give us a preview of your next Bespoke project? I can't say a lot about the next Bespoke project, um, but the next is a very famous uh, couture fashion designer from New York, and uh, we are going to be the first fashion designer brand that's going to grace the floors of the mass segments of the retailer. It's going to be lipsticks and things like this inspired after this fashion designer? Full face makeup. So we're launching with 65 SKU, which is a lot for a launch. Um, we don't have any complexions yet, so we don't have any foundations or concealers. Uh, those will be uh, next year's project. But uh, basically, with the, except the foundations and concealer, you'll be able to do your full makeup with this line. And this comes from this fashion designer's inspirations from over the years of running the fashion shows. It's not as uh, the colors are fully pigmented. But it's not like the bright pinks and purples and blues, not those colors. It's very earthy, it's very muted, and it's very gorgeous. 
I'm dying to know who it is. Can you give us initials or give us some sort of hint? <laughs> Starts with the J. That's all I can say for now. <laughs> well, it sounds really fun. Tony, it was so great to catch up with you. We wish you much success in your new venture. Thank you so much, Veronica. So nice catching up with you too. We're going to end this episode a little differently because unfortunately, this is the last episode of The Secrets of Wealthy Women. When we started the podcast about three years ago, we aimed to showcase the stories of some of the smartest and most accomplished women in the world. For more than 140 episodes, we spoke to incredible women of all races, ages, and professions. These women generously shared their stories of career and financial success. They told us how they overcame obstacles, balanced professional and personal demands, and became more financially savvy. We deeply appreciate all of our guests. The success of Secrets wouldn't have been possible without you, our listeners. You've told us how Secrets has inspired you, made you feel heard, and remember that you're not alone. We're so grateful and humbled that you've spent countless hours listening to our program. And while the show is coming to an end, we want you to know that we're more committed than ever to telling stories about women, money, and power. So in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Help inform our future coverage of women and money by heading over to wsj.com forward slash secrets and give us your feedback. That's wsj.com forward slash secrets. Our producer is Trinae Nori. Our executive producer is Kateri Yoakum. Additional help from personal finance editor, Bray Lamb. Thank you again for listening. It's been an honor to be your host. I'm Veronica Dagger.